Why he fighting fighting this? Why? What? 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 What, what is his goal? Welcome back to the immigrant section. It's your boy, Abbas Wahab. How the hell are you? If it's your first time here, wherever you're watching, please smash that subscribe button so you could join the section. Wherever you're listening, same thing. Hit that follow so you can be part of this whole thing. And enough of that. I, I change it up every time. <laughs> Yo, in the studio today is my good boy, Tamor. What the fuck is going on, brother? How's it going? Not too bad, man. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited. I just wanted to give you a huge congratulations on passing a thousand subscribers. Oh, fuck. Thanks, dude. Appreciate has, uh, that, man. Has YouTube given you that email yet? Yeah, so yeah, you, they, they did, did. They did. Yeah, yeah. They're like, make sure to uh, promote it on, on Instagram and everything else. It's like, oh, come geez. on, YouTube. So, yeah, you know what? On my channel, um, most of my views are still external. I'm not getting... Um, not necessarily getting a push from the algorithm yet, but it's so new that the algorithm just doesn't know who my audience is yet, right? So it takes Yo, time. Yo, your audience is anybody trying to get rich, bro. <laughs> Yo, follow this man's channel. The reason Tamor's on the podcast today is he's going to tell us all how to get rich. <laughs> Yo, this is standard question I ask everybody at the beginning of the podcast. Okay, go for it. How much money do you have? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're just gonna answer. Yo, I'm gonna answer. Yo, how much money do you have in your pocket right now? Yeah, that's so funny. My my eyes went to the back of him. Like, were you um, thinking bank what is... pocket? What were you thinking? You were thinking like total, right? Total. I was yeah, total yeah. Equity. Oh shit. <laughs> okay, so Tamor, uh, comedian in the game. He had an open mic in the uh, West End of Toronto at yep. the Old Sod. And dude, you've been an investor for what, like decades, right? Twenty years. I started. Um, I, you know what? Saying twenty years is. I'm gonna throw this on just because yeah, I'm. Like, yeah, <laughs> saying 20 years is a bit facetious, I think, because um, for for a lot of the beginning, maybe like the first five years, I was really just studying and reading and watching the news and that kind of stuff. I really didn't start deploying capital until a little bit after. But, you know, you learn a lot even when you're not investing. And so, uh, well, yeah, what do you think about all the uh, investment simulators? So I don't really spend a lot of time looking at them, but over the years, I've seen so many examples of things that come on and then they come off. Um, at the end of the day, the, the, the principles of investing are the same. Um, but you know what I've noticed though? I'll say this though, yeah. as someone who has been on the, as someone who has been on the simulators and as someone who has seen people be like, yo, I'm going to go into the market, but I'm going to do all the simulations. All oh, the backwards first. testing. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like... Until you have real money in it, you don't know how you're going to act because yep. you're holding on a buy or a sell in this fake simulated environment yeah. and you think this is how you're going to act when you have real money. It's yeah. not. No. It's going to totally change when real money is at stake. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, I thought when you said simulator, you're th talking about something like the Zacks investment ranking. No, no, no. no. You know, something. like Investopedia has yeah. like a, that type of deal, like your, you know? your fake stock portfolio. It, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, dude... It's totally. I I was like killing it. My buddy's like, yeah, I'm up a hundred thousand on mine because I started with like two hundred thousand fake money or whatever, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm like, it's not gonna work like that when you have your money in there. The problem is it's emotions, and um, it's something like I would say around ninety percent of investors have the uh, intellectual capability of making sound and really good investments. Where you run into problems is the uh, emotional ability to 
uh, to invest. You know, like s- staying long when you're you're when it's dropping. Yeah, when yeah, 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 crashing, yeah. just staying long. You know, and and, and buying when the uh, when we're in a market like we were in March. You know, I was I was maxing everything I had just to get into the market in March to the point where I had to skip groceries for a couple of weeks. Cause, Actually, uh, yeah, just because you thought this was the time to go in. I actually thought it was going to drop another fifty percent. To be honest, like when it dro- dropped in March. Um, but I was just like, you know, these opportunities are so good right now that even if it drops another 50%, I'm still working. So I'll just deploy every paycheck as it comes in. And I, I would assume that markets take some time to come back up. So I'll continue to buy as it's going down. on its way down to like, kind of like, uh, do the leveling averaging effect. Yeah. Dollar cost averaging. Almost yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. well, I guess dollar cost average includes the top as well, but yeah, exactly. Like averaging down. Um, I, you, the thing about it is you can't call bottoms. You can never call bottoms. Everyone's like buy low, sell high. I don't know where the high is. I don't know where the low is. And I've been, I've been exclusively looking at this only thing for the last 20 years. Yeah. Look at that, man. That's, that just goes to show you the people that are so calm. Like, you know how much of a buzz is going on right now, dude? My little brother texts me. He goes, bro, I don't even know. I never even Googled who the the GME. Do you know that stock? Game stock, bro. Okay, there you go. (laughs) My little brother texted me like uh, a week ago. Goes get GameStop, man. Uh, In two three weeks, you're bound to make money. I'm like, bro, you're in school. Like, see how see how it's almost like rumors. This is this is why the rich keep getting richer because there's so many people that are just kind of like these like um, sideline investors who just hop into market during times of hype. Yeah. Or who totally have no idea. And I've fallen prey to this during Tesla. Like I told you in 2013, yeah. I was trying to day trade Tesla and lost everything because I was in and I was like, oh, it's going down. So I sold everything. Yeah. Which is yeah. the dumbest thing because of fear, right? And you know what? People are learning a, a, a very important lesson about stop loss orders. So uh, for, for people who don't know, stop loss orders are when you're trading, you can set a uh, a floor price. So if the stock approaches that floor price, the uh, the brokerage will automatically we'll exit, sell yeah. it for you. Here's the problem: a lot of people are noticing that their stop losses are getting um, taken at prices lower than what their stop losses are. And the reason for that is because oh. yeah, and the oh, reason- stay on the mic a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the the reason for that is because. Um, Stocks are supplying a demand thing. There's no entity that you're selling it to. You're selling it to other investors. Correct. And so um, if everyone has a stop loss at 120, say, and the stock price is at 150 and it comes down to 120 in a a flash of a second, which is what we've been seeing in the markets lately. You can't realize that sell at that price because it's already lower. Not everybody can sell their stock at that price. Gotcha. And so... In order for the brokerage to not make you continue hold it and lose any further money, they rather sell you at 117, 115, gotcha. 110. Whatever they can get market for relative to that. Exactly. And so that's what people are noticing now. They're getting pissed at their brokerage. It's like, yo, it's not the brokerage's fault that you guys are so volatile right now on these particular names. See, when I, so my history, I went in three times. I invested, I day, I tried to day trade Tesla. Day trade, I was buying and selling every day. I was like, as long as I overcome the the te- the cost of buying and selling, I'm making money. Right? I just want you to tell everyone what the price was that you were buying Oh, and dude, $72, <laughs> man. 70, before their stock splits, before everything. Like, Jeez. like I should have just held it, you know? And I lost money. I, I, I have, lost money. I have so many stories of that. Like, I remember sitting in a, when I, I was going to um, a Guelph Humber, which is a, a university out here in, in Toronto. And I was sitting in the Humber College cafeteria in 2003. 
just before university began and um, I was looking at Amazon stock oh God. on my laptop. And at that time, Amazon You're was- You're like, garbage. It was just turning into a bookstore at the time. Like it was so new, right? It was gotcha. like, a, it was a book, it was an online bookstore. Um, and it was trading at a hundred times earnings. And I was thinking to myself, there is no it's like way- a bubble, right? There's no way that this thing is going to, you're going to sell that many books online. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this and is before Kindle, or they even said what that would all be. All of that, before all that. And I just said Amazon is going to crash so hard. And I invested in, like, banks. And I think I was investing in some airlines at the time. That's hilarious, yeah. man. I'm putting everything in Air Canada. <laughs> Amazon's there's no future in Amazon. No, no future. What is this, Google? Fuck that. Enron, everything. Oh, Google was another one. When what about, Go- do you watch Enron? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I saw Enron play out in real time. Right, that, that, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, wait, did you study finance? Yeah. Yeah. And was Enron pre or post your degree? Um, it was so it was pre my university degree, um, or sorry, Enron happened. Yeah, Enron happened before my university degree, but I was watching it happen in high school. And was it like a case study in, in the, when you when you went to school? It was a case study in university in ethics. Yo, that's in ethics. Yeah, that's it. Had nothing to do with finance. Yeah, like there that's are. Funny as I, fuck. I today am still impacted by what happened in, uh, with Enron just because of Sarbane Oxley rules, which are are now anybody who, um, yeah, anybody yeah, who works that, in finance. Yeah, so basically, like. Um, when I graduated university, I, I went to go work in equity research. So when you see like analysts um, talk on, on the news show or whatever, uh, they generally will have uh, people that are working with them and anal- uh, like uh, uh, associate analysts, okay, uh, like equity research associates. So I, I started my career on Bay Street, the equivalent of the U.S. Wall like Street. Our Wall Street, yeah. Yeah, our Wall Street um, as an equity research analyst for, um, for, for, uh, for an investment bank. And... Um, one of the things that happened post Sarbanes Oxley is that we have to be completely independent from uh, the investment banking business because what was happening during Enron is that they were making so much uh, trading and banking revenues from Enron or just uh, tech names in general, not just Enron, but um, like the the tech names back in the past. That's where Elon made like his- Radio Shack. Like, uh, what were some of the big ones? There was like WorldCom. There was obviously Amazon. Oh, IBM. Yeah, like all those tech names back in the past. Nortel is another one. Um, the And in the U.S., I don't know if people remember, but in 2001, we had a huge tech um uh, market decline, like a, a, a bubble burst. Because the 90s was like the spike up, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The tech boom, they called yeah, it. Yeah, the tech the boom. The dot-com boom. The dot-com boom, that's what it was. And uh, that was scary, like when that bubble popped. In 01. In 01, yeah, I think 01, yeah. Um, it was scary. I was still in high school at the time, and I remember uh, watching it and thinking, like, this is it. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I truly believed in the the sky is falling Um uh, like it's over. Yeah, like what what everyone is saying. Yeah, Black Friday Black, stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you looked at your window wherever you were at. You're like, should I do it? It's all, yeah. <laughs> should I jump? <laughs> yeah, and that's what it that's what it felt like. And and also at the time, everyone was like really like uneasy because um uh 9-11 uh, 9-11 was uh like once we got around 2002 now we hit 9-11 too and that was another 
uh, nail in the coffin because the Marx, markets declined. Also, the markets further. were already declining hard pre-9-11. Correct. And then now it's just like a... Yeah, the, I believe... I might be wrong. Uh, don't fact check me here, but I'm pretty sure that the dot-com bubble happened first and then 9-11 happened after. God damn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe that... Maybe... Maybe... Uh, Osama bin Laden had a bunch of like <laughs> dot com text talk and shit like that. And it was yeah. super mad. He's like, fuck this shit. Or just has huge shorts on them. Yeah, just- huge shorts. <laughs> yeah, and that was so that was one thing about the the whole I'm game. not talking about capris either. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you know what? I'm before we that. before we keep going into um the, the the stock market thing, I just wanted to mention something about you. My I was thinking about what's my earliest memory about Abbas. And like everybody knows like I love how you, you by the way, the way you say my name reminds me of like substitute teachers when I was in grade school. How do you say your name? Abbas. Abbas. You know? Okay. I, I, that, it would be every day because I'm the top of the yeah, attendance. Yeah, yeah. It'd be yeah. like, how, how do you? Is it Abbas? Is it Abbas? Is it, I, I'm like whatever you want. <laughs> Abbas. About you tell me, please. You tell me what you want. You know what the funniest part about that is? I grew up like in a Muslim community and like with Muslim. You're like, like I actually have a brother named Abbas. You know, <laughs> yeah. like I, sh- I should know how to say the name properly. No, no, but I that's still, the name properly is Abbas. That's well, what it is. In English, I guess, yeah. In English, it's yeah. kind of like, they're like, is it Abbas, Abyss, Abyss, or Abbas? It's uh, like, uh, that. let's go with that last one, right? I am Abus. Beep, beep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so what's the memory? Oh, so my earliest memory was we were at uh, we were at a, a stand-up competition, and you, I think you were still living, uh, now- Was I still wrong, living in London? You were living far west, so I guess it was- London, London I didn't London, know if it was yeah. London or Windsor, but um, so- yeah, you went up and you did your thing and you did really well. And I think you might have you might have placed that day. It was like a competition at the the Hamilton Yuck Yucks. And I drove up there and I drove the uh, two of the winners that night and the headliner that night. Um, and so when I and I who lost, were they? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, Jacob Balshin. Um, uh, who else? Angela. Uh, I can't pronounce her last name. Skanura. Skanura. Yeah. Yeah. Angelica Skanuru. And and um, Olivia. Okay. Um, yeah. all, all three like some of my favorite people in the in the comedy game. Like they're super nice. Yeah. Jacob's Jacob's a sweetheart, man. Like, Jacob's a killer too. You know. Yeah, he's a killer. Like. Yeah. And um, I actually had to blast him out. He 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 made a joke that was so great that I had to blast him out on my uh, Facebook. Like it was that good recently. Oh, I hope I make a joke that good. On <laughs> But anyway, so I remember I was feeling like shit after like they did the placing or whatever. And then you walked up to me and you're like, yo, man, you did a good job tonight. And I was like, damn, if that guy thinks that I did okay, I'm okay. I'll keep going. You know? Man, yeah, you're a good dude, bro. You're a good dude. You know what I liked about you is that you ran that mic. And, I, and I've run shitty mics. Yeah. Saad, have you come to Offline? No. I, the one I, I read. Yeah. They're all these like in the dead bar. It's like... I what I love about you is you ran it all the time and you'd be pulling up in that X5 and I'm like <laughs> look at this dude he's got money that that's what this whole thing is about he has money but he's just he likes stand up he likes the stage has nothing to do with money yeah I'd always see that X5 a fresh X5 pulled up front I'm like what's this guy this is before I knew you had money and I knew you had money but I was like man. He's all right, dude. He's a good dude. He's a good dude. dude. Well, I just needed. And dude, I just saw you park right now. This is a diesel too, right? Yeah, it's a bro, diesel. Bro, I got yeah. the TDI, bro. Nice. Diesel. <laughs> How good is diesel living, huh? Uh, you know what? It was such a great like car. Uh, like most more more often than not, diesel's cheaper than obviously premium gas. So I yeah, yeah, yeah that, exactly. You know, and I didn't even think of that because uh, for me, it would either be eighty-seven or diesel. You know, I'm right. not I'm not driving like uh, a, a BMW right now. You know, fair, I'm driving fair. VW. I mean. 
and t- to be honest, the first I don't know thirteen years of or twelve years of of like working and or just being being in university, I drove. Well, at first, I, I I drove the PT Cruiser, which is the public oh god, not the actual PT Cruiser, public transportation. Cruiser. Oh, that's hilarious. That's <laughs> the, better. The, the, that's better. That's probably better than at the least PT. people weren't calling you gay every day. Yeah. You know, <laughs> gay. <laughs> uh, and then after I um I, I drove a 1992 Honda Accord EX. Damn, with, that's right out of the immigrant playbook. You and know, I, I the the. Yeah, straight up, that was an immigrant car. And I had to hold up the back bumper with a shoelace. Oh, bro. Man, when people have money, they love doing stories like this. That's what I... Dude, that's such a story of like, bro, my bumper is currently held up by a shoelace. Okay? Man, I used to hold my... I used to have to walk uphill both ways. But then, it, you know, nothing comes easy happen. like all that shit. Man, shit, you're killing me, bro. But, uh, okay, okay, back to it. Uh, I even don't even remember. We were just talking about the markets in general. Oh yeah, so you wanted to know about what the hell is going on with this whole GameStop thing? Yeah. Okay. So GameStop happened crazy. I didn't even pay it. I'm so obsessed and like, there's I have no time to be. I'm not in the markets at all. So like, mm-hmm. I don't care right now. But the fact that I knew I was having you here, I'm like, Tamor's gonna explain this. Shit. <laughs> so, so please, for those who and for those of you who know exactly what happened. Just give me a couple minutes to catch up, okay? Yeah, yeah. I'll give you a cold stone and just make it super simple. So, uh, you know what's actually interesting? Before I even explain what it is, I made a video on GameStop uh, right before that UFC event, which was the... Check the- out his channel, by the way. It'll be in the description. But Tamor just uh, started a channel about pretty much how to like retire early. And this shit's getting subscribers fast as fuck. It's growing fast as fuck. I just said, you know, I'll start the channel once I hit my retirement goal. And so the minute I hit my retirement goal, I bought the computer to start rendering videos. And then I started buying shit uh, to do YouTube. So you are like financially, you're set to retire. Yeah. You are. You yeah. are. But you're still working that job just because. I love my job. Okay. And what yeah. is it? Is- uh, I, I'm, um, uh, I work in financial planning and analysis. So uh, I know it's a little complicated, but. Um, basically, I do forward-looking finance. So I help to see uh, CFO. Do you trade futures? Uh, I like. I love saying that. So not for the company that I work for, <laughs> but I, oh, personally though. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, the, just <laughs> the nature of options. Yeah, I do. Um, but yeah, so I do like uh, I'll plan out what the business is supposed to look like in five or ten years. How we get there. I look at cost savings, efficiency. Uh, right now, I'm looking at automation and how we can use uh, new wave technology and integrate it into the business uh, and drive our results forward. I, we're a transportation company, but I'm looking at Apple and Amazon and Google as uh, some of our major competitors down the road, even though they don't have trucks on the road yet. Even, uh, uh, even You think uh, Apple will have trucks on the road? Dude, everybody wants in on our space. Like, what is this space again? Um, Logis- trans- like third-party logistics? Logistics in general. Gotcha. So we do it all. We're one of the largest logistics operators in Canada. Um, and, and and everybody wants in on the space because the internet can't uh, like they, it can't disrupt or it can't change the fact that we need to move goods to people. Gotcha. Fulfillment is never going away. It's not going away. Yeah. So the one area that uh, everyone's attacking right now is called the last mile, which is um, how do you get uh, the goods uh, to the customer from the store. And so we got DoorDash in there. We got Uber, uh, like all that stuff's happening. Walmart is now turning out. Dude, if you're not looking at that Walmart stock right now, you guys are missing out. Walmart is going to crush that last 
uh, that that last mile game. You know who else is crushing that last mile game? A guy that was supposed to go out of business, but they decided that they're going to go out swinging and they turned around their business, Best Buy. Best Buy is crushing Amazon on that last mile game. So okay, ex- explain, because I'm a I'm a, an ex Best Buy employee, and I got a place in my heart for them. For I Best want Buy? them to succeed. I assume they're done. Every time I drive by a Best Buy, I'm like, how the fuck is that feasible at this point? Look and at I, the size of this place. It, it, this is how it, it's so simple. The the Amazon's biggest problem is you'll you'll go on Amazon and you'll find something that's priced better than what you could potentially get it at Best Buy or whatever, right? Correct. And so I'm willing to wait a day if. I'm saving like five or 10 bucks, like totally, okay. right? Yeah. However, what Best Buy has done is they said, look, we're not gonna hold these products that Amazon can sell for cheaper than us. So the only way we're gonna sell any product is if Amazon is selling it for the same price or more. And so every product now that you see at Best Buy is at the same price as what it's being sold on at Amazon. Now here's the difference. Now Amazon loses because people weren't, ordering stuff online because they wanted to order stuff online. People are ordering stuff online because it was cheaper. Now it's no longer cheaper. People instead are saying, well, I might have to wait two or three days before I get it from Amazon. Even same day, I got to wait till 6 p.m. I'm not willing to wait till 6 p.m. if I'm putting together a YouTube studio. So I'm going right over to Best Buy. It's the same price. Same price. Mm. So I'm driving right over to Best Buy and getting it right now. You know where Amazon loses here? Best Buy has turned all of their stores into distribution uh, distribution depots. And so you can walk into Best Buy now, instead of going into the store, hit a left and you'll walk right into the uh, pickup section. Yeah, I've done this. And so it's so beautiful. You don't even have to walk into the store right now because now they do curbside pickup. Yeah. Right? Or oh, you can't walk into the store well, right, right now. Yeah, you yeah, can't. Yeah. But I, I say keep that going because there's a lot of techie bros like myself. Um, like I'm not even a tech guy, I'm a finance guy, but because I was building out the YouTube studio, I, I was using uh, Best Buy a lot, and I liked the fact that I could just pull up, um, give the person a piece of paper which has the purchase information all on it. Yeah, I did this for a Chromecast. It was very, it was it's great, easy. So now, arrows on the ground, just follow your way. So what I'm saying is the brick and mortar. For the last 20 years, people are saying brick and mortar is going away. The problem is, man. The, the the minute you you think that the game is going one way in business, everyone changes the rules, you know, and so now they realize, oh wait a minute, we have what Amazon wants fulfillment immediate centers. fulfillment exactly yeah, and that's what the consumer wants. Gotcha. We want so, it now. So you're saying post COVID, Best Buy is gonna have a pickup section, like for sure they're gonna hold on to a pickup section. Yeah, and customers will be able to just walk around and browse. But yep. they are not going to get rid of that section that's like, just get it online and just walk in. No, that was already there before. Was that already there? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. All COVID did was show people exactly what the value of Amazon, uh, what the value of uh, Best Buy is. What about Future Shop? Are they done? <laughs> Do you even see any anymore? Yeah, exactly. They're yeah. rebranded. That's a relic of the past. Yeah. Um, the only place that needs to do that more, I see, is anybody who's holding holding those uh, home, home uh, goods, uh, stocks. I mean, Amazon can't really compete in that space anywhere. I'm talking about your Home Depots, your Ronas, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. These guys can drive way more value, um, and you're seeing it right now. They're now, uh, right now, they're using third party guys to deliver appliances and such to people's homes. So they they're addressing that last mile uh, issue by actually uh, using tr- uh, uh, cube vans and delivering out to people's homes. Like third party. Third party. Gotcha. Um, very quickly, that's going to turn into Ubers and such. They're gonna they're gonna uh, like they're gonna 
cut that cost right down. Because you know what? If I'm choosing between buying a, an SUV or buying a cube van, and I know with my cube van I can make an extra two, three hundred bucks uh, a, a week just delivering some appliances here and there, um, I'm gonna do that. So that's coming. Oh, a hundred man! If you don't know this, uh, Amazon requires so much fulfillment. That there's so many third-party guys that yep. every morning, every Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, all these places have cube vans, yep. two or three, that do our rentals. Every morning, a brown dude, brown dudes run there, dude, and they fucking rent them all. Right. And they go and f to the distribution center, and they fill them up, dude. Shout out to all my out-of-work cab drivers who've now started delivering shit and still making bank. You guys are the shit. That, that, <laughs> this is a way more of a hustle game. Yeah. Because this is like, there is no, uh, there is no cash port to it yeah it is all metrics yep. nothing is uncalculated like it's like you have to pick up 40 things that need to go to 40 distinct places correct yeah. you know yeah so it's not like back in the day with the cab it's not like oh hey you know just wait out here for me here's an extra 20 bucks for me and for you, you know and the, take me back there's none of that yeah and the best part about it is that these guys are not being uh, uh, beholden to the to, to the guys who own the medallions for the cabs. Like you really can punch your own ticket, you know. Um, and, and truthfully, if you want, if you have the money and you put it down on a van, now you can be an independent contractor to so many different places. Yeah, uh, you know, and like you're saying, Wall, it could be Amazon third party people that like a few third party logistics yeah. people, uh, Home Depot. I'm talking all retailers have uh, some sort of shipping requirements. Like I'm talking Bed Bath & Beyond will need to ship forks from their Burlington location, which is way west in Toronto, to their Markham location, which is gotcha. north. Gotcha. Right? So even intra-business, not Correct. just Correct, because consumer. they're all now being distribution centers. Like so, all the stores are now turning into distribution centers, which they should be, right? So, And then once you go that model, it's like it doesn't make sense to have drivers on hand because we don't know what is the demand on any given time. It makes more sense to just use the collective body of the masses. And if they're going to do it for cheaper, because one of the problems that you're going to have if you have drivers on hand is salaries, um, benefits. Downtime. Downtime uh, and um, capital costs. That's the big one where you're going to have to start buying these vehicles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Where... Um, capital costs can be spread uh, with what I call as capital uh, requirements. So, for example, um, an Uber driver, um, a lot of them aren't doing Uber full time. Like, like they'll do Uber. You know, even if it's forty hours a week, they're doing Uber. They're still using that car for their personal use case as well, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're spreading on that. So instead of having two vehicles so you have a cab and then you have your personal vehicle you're now spreading that capital cost across two different uses do you see what i mean so the capital actually required to that that you would f put into the business is actually you can call it um maybe two-thirds of the value of your car because oh, you're, th you're thinking about tax purposes right no now. i'm thinking about like um, from from a, just a pure utility point from of a view. from a utility perspective like i need to own a car yes right but if I'm going to be an Uber driver, let me um, let me acknowledge the fact that uh, you know maybe eighty seventy percent uh, of the use of my vehicle is going to go to Uber. So if my car car cost uh, call it ten thousand dollars, only seven thousand dollars went to Uber. The other three thousand dollars went to my personal use. So I shouldn't really say I invested seven thousand uh, ten thousand into my business. I invested seven. Gotcha. Right? Okay. And the reason why I know this is a little complicated. No, no, no go for it. I mean, standard so far. But yeah, keep going. <laughs> the the reason why I'm bringing this up is because no business can compete with this. 
Yeah, yeah, because they don't have any upfront costs themselves. Right. And All the that the actual the nodes of the network, which are the people. They assume all those capital costs in little bits. Right, and then the other thing about it is, uh, one of the problems you have with business, uh, especially in the logistic in the logistics team, is maintenance. Right. So, um, if a business is going to fix something, they're going to fix it right up to the highest level. If you're a delivery, uh, if you're a delivery operator that's third party, um, you might actually have a, a connection with a mechanic. You might actually uh, forego fixing certain things. Uh, you, you might be okay with the le- the engine light being on for yeah, a while, yeah, yeah. right? So you can delay maintenance as well. So now not only are you saving on um, the disbursements of capital costs, you're also saving on maintenance. And then there's one more element, and that is people who drive their cars longer than businesses are willing to hold on to their drivers uh, that are on an hourly rate. And- no, the, the vehicles themselves. Oh, gotcha. Because they, because uh, they look at like, you got to look for a business. You got to look at the depreciation cost. Correct. Everything has to be built into tax. Correct. Whereas all that is assumed with the drivers. So you're saying all this is going Uber style, inevitably, regardless. That's the, it's gonna happen. That that is the world that we're seeing. And I know some people don't like it because it turns into a gig economy. I get that. Um, but what it's also doing is the requirement for the back end for all of this is absolutely nuts. Like you guys, everyone knows about, it was something like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was something like 5,000 jobs they were going to open up in New York, um, Amazon, and it was all just like, um, it was all just like software engineers and stuff to to work on the Amazon platform. They never ended up doing it because there was some political pushback, but... Um, they wanted to employ and hire 5,000 at one point? Yeah. To take their platform to the next. I didn't even know about this. Yeah, and it got some pushback in New York um, because they were handing out some future tax credits. Um, And so, like, yeah, whatever. And so Amazon pulled out. But, like, just the amount of knowledge and, and, and talent that it takes to run these businesses, like... Like Elon Musk or Bezos, they're not sitting in a basement computing all day. They're they're hiring nerds like us, you know. Like and and they're paying well. They're, you know, like start- you. <laughs> yeah, don't don't. You don't have to extend it all. Of it, bro. <laughs> the the no, I, I wouldn't. I, honestly, I, I I like to describe myself as the dumbest, the 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 smartest dumb guy that I've ever met in my life. Like when you're a compa- smart dumb dude, you know? <laughs> that's why you're here. You fit right in next to the Dragon Ball Z poster. <laughs> I love this. Talking about utility, <laughs> talking about vehicle utility. <laughs> Only two thirds is actually being yeah, I know. consumed by the business. One third is yours. <laughs> I know. Don't get me started on this. And you know what's funny? Like people who meet me on the comedy. And wait, 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 wait. You said, I know it's becoming a gig economy, which people don't want. Yeah. yeah. That's what people do want. People yeah. want the gig economy is inevitable. Yeah, talk look, to the talk to the people who are part of unions. They're not happy. Yeah, of course. All okay, but <laughs> let's look at how many jobs are unionized now versus 30 years ago? Yeah. I bet you there was more 30 years ago than now. Oh, yeah. The yeah, union's yeah, dying. Yeah. yeah. The union, like, if you've ever worked with a union, that is not the way to meet productivity. No. That is not the way to, to push for, like, uh, innovation at all. No. Un- unions murder innovation. Well, I think one of the, the biggest problems with it is that, um, you know, th- they've been so successful that they've sort of hindered themselves a little bit. Uh, and what I mean by that is the the main, what are the main reasons why unions came up? It was to increase uh, wages and uh, decrease the give ability. Worker, um, kind of give worker a voice power and have like a protection thing in place. And just not let them 
get fired like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and so add benefits, some job et cetera, security. et cetera. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? There's not a single person who can argue that that the unions weren't successful there. Right? Oh no, a hundred. But I'm saying I'm looking at the other end of the. That's it's the gotten. It's becoming. If you've ever worked with union, like a union plant, yeah. or like in a place that has union people, it's a totally different vibe. Yep. It is a, yep. a you, wor, you working with union workers is like working with uh, people who have diplomatic immunity. Correct. And that you know what I is mean? Not necessarily a good thing. That wasn't the original yep. reason right. that unions got created, but now it's definitely a, yep. like an effect. Yeah, and one of the things that Obama would always talk about, and I loved how he articulated himself here, uh, is that he always talked about whenever you pursue a course of action, you also have to consider the unintended consequences of that action. And one of the unintended consequences of unionized environments is you create that diplomatic immunity type environment. You um, you will actively discourage innovation if it means less employment for your union. You know, in a union, like my buddy was telling me, like, let's say your job is one of your responsibilities is to lift those boxes from that stack to that stack. And I come grab that box and help you. You can get written up for taking that person's work. Jeez. You can get written up for doing, no, 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 that's not your job. This is my job. Because by you doing my job, you're making me less, uh, you're, you're threatening my utility. And the union protects me to make sure that my utility is not threat. Like so the crazy. union becomes this coddling of babies for like, and, all, and, 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 and pre-unions, workers were dying. They didn't have like, it was the worst. Yeah. yeah. So the, the need for a union came, but I, I'm so like the need for unions probably came a hundred years before my birth. Right. Yeah. 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 The, where unions are now, where I've seen them and like, just like working in like manufacturing plants and shit. It's shocking, bro. Yeah. It's shocking. Yeah. No one is going to go out of their way to do something when they know, first of all, they could get in trouble for the very active, uh, a potential, like trying to innovate or go out, uh, or go, um, think out of the box is not at all something that they tell you to do. And in fact, it'll hurt you. Yeah, you. Exactly, exactly. It'll hurt you. Now, I've never been in a union. I've always been private industry. but like I'm I've in a union right now, bro. I'm in the Actra Actors Union of... Oh, okay. Which is like straight up, they, 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 they push you into it like a mafia. I have yeah, never... Yeah. In mafia tactics, bro. Yeah. Mafia I, I, tactics. I remember seeing you on TV one day. I was, I was I was eating wings at a restaurant. I see a bass on a Ford, a, a boss on a Ford commercial. Oh, that came out. Yeah, that's out. Uh, I saw it a lot years ago. Though. Oh, okay. Was, no, I just did a Ford commercial. I didn't know it was out. There was something where it was like no, no, no. no that was, was a Nissan. Bowling. Oh, Nissan. Nissan. Sorry. Yeah, it was like a Nissan. bowling alley. Yeah, or Nissan, Nissan. Yeah, Nissan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But dude, like, listen to this. I'm part of the actors' union. Yeah, yeah. Now that I'm part of the act, I cannot take part in any non-union production. So they're like, you better not be creating anything that's not union. And how do you make it union? The union needs to get a cut. Oh, jeez. The union needs to get a cut. So it's like, you do not do any art outside of us. So what happens it's, when your podcast gets monetized? Oh, they have, they have nothing to do with this. So, like I'm talking about in an acting capacity. Oh, okay. Got it. You know it, got what it, I mean? Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just like you as a any revenue you bring in as no, a No, but I mean like this. Watch like, that be in the contract. I, I consider YouTube art. Like when people get um, when people get uh, their payments from uh, Google uh, for YouTube, uh, like their ad reps, it's royalty revenue. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But that is – Something that does not fall under the umbrella of Thank what actors. Yeah, Thank yeah, yeah, goodness. Yeah, yeah. And even if they did, bro, I'd be fucking. Well, they would have to amend it. Nobody's gonna sign that. Yeah, I mean that'd be crazy. I, this is actually a total assumption, but it's like 
anything that is an extra job is where all that bullshit starts to fall in. Got it. But what shocks me is like, you better not like, I'll, I'll be writing a web series with my uh, with my friend, which I am right now. And they're like, and they're like, oh, you might not be able to act in that because so I'll write it. We'll get cameras. And then it's like, you can't be in that, man. It's not union. It's like, go fuck yourself. What yeah. the fuck? What do you mean I can't? What? Yeah. And they're like, and, that, and there's little workarounds. Like, bro, you got to be a producer as well. And then if you're a producer, then you can do a, it's all this bullshit where it's like, they just corner you in a place where they make sure any artistic effort you do, it can only be done if they are paid. That sucks. I didn't even know about that. But that that begs the question, how much great art are we missing out on because actors are um, being forbidden from doing this type of stuff? Some, sure. But, but the at the end of the day, like trained like actors who are revered by the game, who are getting work. Yeah. They're not writing, and then they got a, they got mortgage payments to make, yeah, so true. they got to play ball with the union. They're not yeah. doing any non-union stuff because they've been in the game so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. all about like these up and come, like comedian actors yeah. who yeah. want a little piece of everything, like that. Yeah, yeah. For it's us, so it funny. Sucks like a people bit. will message me and be like, "Yeah, there's a there's a part for a minority thing here, or there, or whatever," and it's like I'm not in this to. To, to make money doing comedy. I'm not like looking to be on TV or anything like that. Like if I don't like it, I'm not doing it. Period. Well, you've so, reached, you said you reached your retirement levels, right? Yeah. So it's like. So you're good. So you could re- quit your job and, and be done right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And so. Um, Forecasting for you, like your earnings with uh, the capital you have at this point through life. Yeah. The only problem would be that. And the, the reason why I gave you that week yet yeah, is because it would only allow me to live the current life that I'm living. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And like, and you want to thrive. Why not? Like, yeah, why yeah, not? Yeah, I'm 35. Yeah, yeah. Like, let's, let's, let's get it. And it's not really a monetary thing. It's more of a, um, it's more of a, let's see what I can do. Cause I would have to stop investing and just put everything in, uh, um, like a, a dividend portfolio or, you know, some low like risk. That. Yeah, exactly. And so I kind of don't want to do that because then it, like, what's the point of living if you're not doing what you, what you love? 35 right? is way too early to just be like, I'm a, uh, you know, you know, people used to laugh at me. Um, when I first started, I, I started, I, I worked for, uh, uh, one of these big four accounting firms and, uh, Which I was one. I don't want any. <laughs> well, is it is so far away? Was it KPMG? Yes, it was. Oh, you look like a KPMG <laughs> I mean, guy. If you guessed it, yeah. But Bro, I, Ernest and Young, they don't drive diesels, you know. <laughs> and I remember, I remember telling people, you know, I'm going to retire in nine years or ten years or whatever. People used to laugh at me, man. Like people would make fun of me. That's so that. weird because you would think that's the sector that would be like, yeah, like we like that type of talk in this sector. They don't like it. They like people. They would just say you're you're dumb. Like. You're, uh, Imagine it's your boss. You're stupid. You know, and <laughs> it's, it's like, like, oh my god. It's like, you you know that shit will hurt your feelings, but at the same time, it's like, yo, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm capable of. Well, here you are, bro. You know, and so I was so happy to make that. I made a post on Facebook, and I was so happy to make it when I was like, yo, I grew up poor, and I retired before 35. So, talk now. That's beautiful. <laughs> what, what, are you an immigrant? Or were you born here? No, so I was born here. My yeah. my mom is uh, a, a guest in this country. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As <laughs> no. we put it, yeah. Um, <laughs> AKA uh, uh, un, undocumented alien. No, no. She was actually so her, um, her father fought in the Second World War, and he fought on under which the, side though, homie? 
on the Allied. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. so we were uh, gonna have a problem for a second. In- England, England got uh, a little fucked up during the war, and so they reached out to um, India, and uh, at the time it was India, and um, they got a lot of soldiers that put on the the British uniforms, and my and my grandfather was one of them, and. Um, yeah, and uh, then after after the Second World War, they were able to go wherever they wanted to. So a lot of the family uh, came to Toronto. Some of the ca- family went down to. Um, they the were States. able to go wherever they wanted. Yeah. How come? Because just, of their involvement in the war, just, yeah, the just, world was just open. He he had access as gotcha. a result. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, to the point where he was getting a uh, pension from the Canadian government as well. Oh goddamn! Yeah, yeah. They they treated their. You know what? At the end of the day, you 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 took part on the front lines fighting against Hitler. We will take care of you, bro. We'll I take didn't care know of you Canada did die. some shit like that. Yeah. Wow. Canada. Hell yeah. You know. Go Canada. Yeah. You know. And so, but also, you know, if someone's willing to 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 step up and fight a war that they're not even involved in, yeah, you know, yeah, you and, gotta give someone kudos for that shit, right? Yeah. And so, so they took because a lot of people probably died too. Yeah, yeah, the majority yeah, 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 did, yeah. right? And so... Because uh, you know they weren't getting all these Indians for, like, officer roles. They're going frontline shit, you yeah. know? And so... And, I mean, to, to an extent, most people were frontline during the, that war, right? Well, I guess by definition, most people are frontline. But, like, you know, we, we weren't having the types of wars that we have now, or you know? And so... Uh, even Canadians were like, you know. Uh, oh, this is like trench warfare, right? Yeah. yeah so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's brutal. It's brutal. Like, sometimes we forget on how easy ha- we have it. Actually, I was talking to uh, my fiance uh, yesterday, and I was like, look how cold it is outside. And our biggest concern right now is how quickly our hot chocolate is heating up. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really is crazy, man. We forget how good we have it. You it's know? amazing, man. It's amazing. Looking back, every time I come, I which I haven't had this feeling in a while, but usually when I travel and I come back to Canada, I realize, man, Canada is just so secure. You There's know? such a secure feeling of Canada that you don't get, even in Europe. Yeah. Even yeah. in Europe, yeah. this security that you have in Canada and in the States, you don't get it too. The States and Canada are almost the same. But the fact that you know everybody could have a gun or might have a gun that feeling is like okay i don't know are they like you know what i mean yeah that brings in a lot of uncertainty which we don't have here in canada yeah you know what yeah that's a good point you bring up like i as much as i i I understand both sides of the argument on that gun debate like i understand uh why you should have a gun and why you shouldn't have a gun that being said i have to acknowledge that i feel a lot safer when i come across the border and i'm back in canada Oh, bro, but that being said, as soon as I have a family, I'm going to have a gun. Yeah, Without a doubt. Well, it's... Without a a doubt, dude. It's it's like a rural versus city argument. Like, if you're in the city and the police is well-funded... Uh, you have the confidence in the police showing up on time. On time, happens, exactly. Right? See, like, why we need it? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Don't get me started with the defunding stuff, but... Uh, Forget all that yeah. stuff. You know, they're saying... When they say defund, they're saying you don't need 20 tanks in a precinct. Oh, That's okay, what they're, I get they're not that. saying, okay, like... Yeah, yeah. Defu- if anything, they need more funding because it's a training issue. Right. All these problems are training issues, right? right? And, and you know what? It might not be a bad idea to have... Um, have uh, uh, people on staff who are, are like mental health nurses, nurses as well who go along on uh, on calls where you're not yeah really where sure they're unarmed like, yeah. yeah 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 I mean you could have someone who's armed on site like, like you just have spray. two officers non lethal forms of of force well I'm even saying the first 
uh, the the first person, like one person's arm, one person isn't almost, and the and the person, like just so you have someone on site, just in case, because you never know how these situations can play. Oh, out. you're right, you're right. Like the mental health stuff, it could these people could summon strength that like is is not normal. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that needs like police people to subdue, but at the same time, they need that mental health like. Uh, department of Correct. people that can go to stuff people and assess it from to... the phone. Okay, yeah. dispatch two of these people yeah, and a yeah. cop gets in once it gets to that level yeah. or if it's a possible gray area, come in with a cop. Yeah, you know like, what I mean? They like, need a protocol for that type of shit. Like the days of somebody being on drugs or having a mental health episode and end up dying in one way or another, those days are gone. Those days are gone. No, like, they're not. They're not gone. No, they're what I mean gone. is it's unacceptable. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. it's but it's you know still I mean? happening because nothing has changed. No, no, no. I know it's I know it's happening. But what I mean is from a, from a society's perspective, it's unacceptable. It can't happen. And if we – look – I'm a taxpayer. If I have to pay more in taxes in order for us to properly equip the police with uh, mental health professionals so that uh, we can save lives on the street as a result of this type of stuff, I'll be, I'm totally happy to do that. You know, It's just I feel like the policing itself should be way more of like, uh, I don't want to say elite, but specialized training. Agreed. So yeah. often you just see every cop like – a lot of times you see cops that look like military people. Yeah, You're like, yeah. yes, that's right. That's yeah. what it should be. The cops shouldn't look like the mall cop. It shouldn't have a huge gut. and It's just waddling around. Like, you can't... How are you going to protect yourself without a gun? You yeah. should look like you should be able to handle yourself without a gun and yeah. have a gun. Now that comes into the demand and supply aspect as well. And I don't see a lot of people talking about this. And maybe it's just me having conversations with myself about it. But it's you have a certain pool of people to choose from. And the reason why I talk about this is because I've done a lot of hiring and I'll tell you that like when I'm hiring just for like financial analyst roles and like senior financial analysts or managers, um, oftentimes I'm going through hundreds of applicants to find one or two that meet the criteria that I'm looking for, right? The the, the talent isn't really out there in the, in, in, in the field that I, I'm particularly hiring for. So I wonder what it's like for the police force. Like how many of these elite people even want to be cops, you know? But that's what I'm saying. I'm saying elite through training. I'm not talking right. about they're, they're going through the original applications of elite people. Yeah. I'm talking about the training itself creates these level of uh, public officers. Right. And I'm going to play devil's advocate for one second. You better not. <laughs> I'm going to okay. say, okay. Uh, and this is how I look at companies as well. When I, when I assess management, I say, do you have the willingness and ability Right, and I think a lot of cops have the willing, uh, the willingness to do it. I question how much of them have the ability to be those elite officers, even well, that's despite what I, well, the training. That's early level filtering, right there. Correct. Well, well, and that's when we let's go say back we to that can, we had way more fighter jet pilots. We yeah. don't. Yeah, yeah. We have a, a small amount because it's like a supply and demand thing. Yeah, you yeah. need way more officers, police officers, than you need pilots. So pilots just by the inherent nature of how many we need you just get the, yeah. you get the top of the yeah, top yeah. the top of the food chain Agreed. right yeah. but why can't we have systems like that in place where it's like have less officers of a way higher ability yeah. than having cuz man i'm pretty sure they it's like jobs you know what i mean like the uh at the end of the day it's a government job yep. so it looks good if there's more of them can i offer a solution that nobody's thought about but i think it would solve a lot of this Every time you say something, it sounds like a YouTube video thumbnail. Like <laughs> the one solution no one's thought of. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
I actually think now and 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 question this, okay? Like, okay. Like poke holes in it, but I I actually think if you right now we have a decentralized hiring system. So okay. Toronto police, New York police, whoever, like, uh, you know. Well, let's I think it can't be world. Let's stick to country. So Toronto, yeah, yeah. Winnipeg, Manit- Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan, everybody's got their own municipalities. They, they have their municipalities, own, yeah. have their own uh, municipal hiring systems. What I say is um, centralize the hiring process. Uh, the military does it too. It's called boot camp. You know what I mean? Right? And, and so if you centralize the hiring process... And you like you send them all off to butt fuck nowhere Manitoba to train. They all go through the same level of rigorous training. Yeah, but I'm taking even step back from that. You know when you're saying like picking the right people. Yeah. You like one location like yeah. Toronto, what right means here doesn't mean right in Halifax. Or like or even one step further back. I'm sorry, I keep doing this. No, to no, you. no, go. I just keep cutting you off. That's <laughs> that's a real problem. <laughs> and I'm apologizing. Yeah, for <laughs> Canadians, I love it. Um, w- w- like. Toronto might have a surplus of people who are really good at being cops, but we might have a uh, um, we might not have uh, the the need for it, right? When you have essential, like cops are some of those people who are willing to move wherever the job is. You know what I mean? And so, like, I have friends who've moved to BC because uh, that a know, position open. They were they were young and they were white males, and they're not going to get on with the Toronto board, uh, the police, uh, Toronto police. So they they were leaving so that they can get jobs earlier in their 20s right gotcha yeah and so be it as it may um but if you have a centralized hiring system and everybody sort of goes through the system i know it's expensive and whatever i get that that's a problem with it but if you have a centralized hire system you get all this top talent feeding up and then you can start saying okay well these are the best people these are their um uh characteristics and these are the locations that could benefit them benefit with them so you're only grabbing the cream of the crop then after that shove them into those uh the the training or whatever whatever training is necessary for it like that next step that you were discussing but before that get the ones who have the ability you already know they have the willingness because they're applying now get them in you know that's a good way to my fear is that by going at a country level it'll become literally even worse it could be by putting it all on the federal government yeah you at least One city could be more gung-ho than another city. Right. So you at least benefit from Toronto and Vancouver and Montreal. They're really gung-ho with policing. Yeah. yeah. And then it's kind of lazy in London and all the places (laughs) in between. That laziness is going to go into place. It's going to be adopted in the federal system. If you've seen – like I was in the reserves, bro. Like I was in the naval reserves. I've seen how – things operate at a federal level it's right. just humans doing administrative shit yeah and then everything the gets lost it is so if you're in the forces it is so standard to have a course be like you did that course it's like they lost the paperwork Every, nothing is oh, computerized it's all still you know what i'm yeah. saying so I, my fear is if we go to a federal level it's yeah. even going to be worse and the other problem is what's the difference between that and the military Bro, I mean, I was in the the military. Here's the beautiful thing about the military: the jobs there are specialized. It's like SWAT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When there is fucking nine eleven terrorist shit, they're not sending cops. No, they're sending cops to just be there. But yeah. who is going to handle the shit is the specialized units. Yeah, yeah, that's the same yeah. with the military. We have the joint the JTF two for Canada yeah, Joint yeah. Task Force two. Yeah, that's like our seals. They're the boys who go in and murder people like and come back in the <laughs> middle of the night helicopters. Like JTF2, when you go in, they got, you got to sign like five years. Like you may not speak to your family. You may not. They set you up in a way so if like they if you get caught and tortured. Yeah. 
you're not in a position to like give everything up. Right, right. You, they right. set you up so you could be picked off. Like oh, you're high level. You may be disposable. Like you are at the forefront yeah. of like yeah highly forceful like engagements that we do in like an international level. So crazy. So crazy. But like the regular people in the force, bro, it's just like cops, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't like me. I'm with the people, the people that are around me. Like the reason they joined the forces, a lot of people that were with me in boot camp is it's so secure. You're going to get paid for boot camp and then you're going to go on a course and then you're going to sign up for a two-year contract, which you know you're going to get paid bi-weekly. You know you're going to have a dentist. You know you're going to have medical benefits. It's just security. Yeah, That's yeah, why people yeah, do it. Yeah. That makes sense. And you that can't have those type of people that are just doing it for the security. Be the people policing. Like, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So but I mean, it's, the, it's, it's, it's easy to say all this shit from a basement. Yeah, <laughs> you know I, what mean, I mean, like we're, we're armchair quarterbacking, right? Okay, now if we're going to armchair quarterback, let's armchair quarterback about this GameStop thing. Okay, us? yeah. <laughs> we okay. go off on yeah, 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 let's go. So explain GameStop. What okay, happened? Okay, so what ended up happening is... Um, you had this. Uh, you had this guy. His name is Michael Burry. Okay? okay. Now he. They made a movie about him. It's called The Big Short. Okay. Because back in two thousand and eight, um, he actually saw the uh, the financial crisis. The financial coming. crisis happening, and he took on a big short for it. And that, so that's why they made that. We movie. saw that again with Christian Bale, right? Christian Bale. Shout yeah. out to my nigga Christian Bale. <laughs> and um, so he came out and said, "Look, this company is." Overshorted, like the the short interest, meaning the number of so it's shorted by over two hundred percent. No, excuse me. The people who don't know what shorting is, high level, it's basically you borrow shares from a, another investor, you immediately sell them in the market, expecting for the share price to go down. Once the share price goes down, you purchase those shares and you give them back to the investor. You keep the spread. So you borrow them at a hundred bucks. They went down to fifty. You bought them back at fifty. You hand those shares back. You keep the spread. So, so Makes that's sense. short selling. Okay. So what, um, what Michael Burry noticed is that if, so one of the things you got to think about with short selling is one of the main tenants of short selling is that you have to eventually buy the stock back. Okay. Now, if you're making money when the stock is going down, you're also losing money when the stock goes up. Right. So, um, if you start losing a lot of money because the stock continues to go up, what ends up happening is all the shorts are now covering their positions by buying back that security at a price higher than what they sold it for, and thus taking a loss. But if they're all buying it at the same time, it's called a short squeeze, demand and supply. There's more demand, shoots up. supply, shoots up the price. So what Michael Burry said is this company is being shorted so much and um, – the uh, next and Wall Street's in, for the most part Wall Street. It was is the it was the uh, uh, the the, the, uh, the hedge, hedge funds. funds. Yeah, certain short selling hedge funds. So corporate America will say yeah, call is it, being uh, like this company's done. They're yeah, and and they're not wrong. Like yeah. they, they weren't wrong. That GameStop this is just based on the metrics, right? Correct. Like I've gone through the financials of GameStop myself. Um, like and I've and I've looked at their financials for years. They're, they're not wrong. That GameStop was struggling. Right. Um, what the saving grace for GameStop was that these next gen consoles um, sold a version, a more expensive version, but sold a version that had disc sales. Why does that matter? GameStop makes most of their money selling used games. They'll buy them for pennies, sell them for dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Oh, We've all done that. Have you ever all... been to go on a micro play or some shit like that and try to sell, try to give them your Game Boy Color? They're like, yeah, we'll give you $4. You're like, $4? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Or like, 
Or like uh, you want the newest game? Okay, trade in six of your most recent games that yeah, you bought. Yeah, yeah. Right, and 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 there's a market for that because I'm always two years behind on video games. Like I just played Horizon Zero Dawn. That's been out for years, right? Uh, and so, I, but it's always good because because I'm two or three years behind, I always get these blockbuster games for like fifteen bucks. Gotcha. Right. So there's a market. I'm the market. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and so uh, because these new next gen consoles decided to. Um, uh, pr- uh, provide a disc option. So now GameStop has at least another 10 years. Oh, okay. They've right. extended their life, so to speak. Right. Now, all these short sellers are betting that um, they're going to die over the next couple of years. I don't think so. Plus, GameStop came out with this uh, rental program uh, so you can just rent games so you're not actually buying them. Because most people play a game for a month and then they don't need it anymore. Right? I'm shocked this rental thing just started, by the way. I'm, I'm sure it's people, been on for a couple of years. Because even uh, when I worked at Best Buy in like 08, 09, the games are Call of Duty, you know, Modern Warfare's coming. It's sixty nine ninety nine, And you know in 8 months or 8 to 12 months max, the next one is coming out. Right. And that one's just going to be collecting dust. You know who made a lot of money renting video games? Blockbuster. Elon Musk. Blockbuster, <laughs> yeah. I used to rent so many games from Blockbuster, like yeah, I Rogers. Just, I used to rent it, from right? Bro- yeah, yeah. And so this video game rental business, like I, I'm surprised that the the retailers never picked up on it, but like it's there. But you're anyways. right; it was standard. That's what Rogers used to have, and it'd be like two weeks of rental to pay it yeah. to to buy it. Like to, a two yeah, week rental exactly pays it off pretty much. So instead of buying a game for $50 and selling it for 70 and keeping a spread of 20, you're now renting this game for the next year and you're making like a, a 20 times uh, profit margin on it. And so renting games is so profitable. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that it's not more prevalent. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyways, that being said, so these are two pieces of good news. So Michael Burry on that note bought the shares. And uh, I think he also had calls on the shares, which is the right to purchase the shares in the future at a specified price at a specified date. How do you get those? Uh, you can just go onto the stock. Uh, you can go onto your brokerage account, and instead of clicking on stocks, just click on options, and then mm. you can look at option pricing and stuff. The reason why call options are really good is because um, they allow you to use uh, a leverage because each call option, like. Um, so say the stock price is three bucks, which it was for GameStop at the time. If you buy a call option for the right to buy it at three dollars a year from now, the call option might be uh, like thirty cents, right? So I am accessing the right of three dollars with only using thirty cents. So if I have you know a hundred million bucks, I'm significantly increasing them the number of shares I have access to gotcha, by okay. doing call options. This is how. Um, um, uh, Keith Gill, the, the, the guy who uh, popularized the, uh, the, the short squeeze on Wall Street bets, they, they call him uh, deep effing value or they'll call him roaring kitty. Um, that's how he made a lot of his money. But now let's go, let's go into his thesis, okay? So the good thing for us, and I'm actually releasing a video on this and uh, I'll provide it to you to put the link if you want to. Um, but I actually go through his investment thesis on uh, GameStop, but in general. Right? And what you realize is this guy's actually brilliant. His investment style is very much like Warren Buffett's because what he said was this is not a company that's going out of business. This is actually a, a, a cigar butt or, or maybe like a roach. He described it as a roach. Like it's not the best uh, toke you'll take, but it's a good toke. Right? And so um, 
What he said this is... This guy sounds like the coolest investor possible, right? Dude, he's... It's kind of like fucking two bitches at once, you know? You, know you pull I, up, you're like, damn, this, you know this what I love killing him? it. He's like a 36-year-old guy or 34-year-old guy. I don't know. You know what I love about him the most? He's a he's a huge Star Wars nerd, okay. which is great because I have Baby Yoda in all of my videos, so... Oh, actually, I saw that in the back, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, so I just did two call-outs. I just did call-out to Toronto with the two Toronto hats and yeah. then the Baby Yoda. That's it. <laughs> I just did Dragon Ball Z and, and, and just a bunch of aggressive guy shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's fun, but I, I, I love that. I love that poster. That's like very iconic, you know? Oh, dude. Um, that's why I had to have it in the middle there. You know? But anyway, so, okay. So going on. So basically what Roaring Kitty was saying was Oh, that, bring your mic a little closer. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So basically what Roaring Kitty was saying was that any good news on this name, because it's being so heavily shorted, it, uh, the stock price could jump. Like it could jump to like 10 bucks. That's what he was saying. And mm. so what ended up happening is this guy um, who made uh, billions of dollars on um, uh, a pet foods retailer. I forgot what the pet food retailer name is. Um, I just made a video on it. But um, uh, this guy, he ended up buying, I think it was like 10% uh, of the shares of GameStop. And he wanted a board seat on it. And he said, look, we're going we're gonna to digitize this platform. And so that's good news, right? Now they're bringing in Amazon uh, executives to come on to GameStop and they're going to turn it into this... Um, uh, like an digital, online rental yeah, type thing. Gotcha. Uh, just a digital business. They're going to take it into the 21st century. That's really good news. What, is that, what ends up happening? Um, Everyone's trying to get out of the shorts. At that point, everyone now is realized... Now, now at this point, now keep this in mind. Our, our boy Keith is already in his shorts. He's been in it before March, before the whole thing. Like, he, sorry, he all is already long the stock when it was three bucks, three, four bucks, right? Yeah. Now, he owns it. He's not shorting it. He, he owns he it. Own, he yeah. owns it and he, he's not shorting it. He, gotcha. owns it he owns it and he buys uh, calls on it uh, as well. And now five months later is when that investment was made by that billionaire guy. Okay. So so what happened? What, what, what investment? So that billionaire, the guy who made uh, um, money on selling like the dog food products. Yeah. Chewy.com. That's what it was. And uh, he, he made the investment into GameStop. He bought, um, I think it was like 10% of the shares. And he said that this company is not dying and we're going to transform this into a digital uh, platform. Uh, and so uh, GameStop lives, basically. Gotcha. And then he got uh, a board seat. Now the shares already jumped. They jumped to like thirteen bucks. Just because of the position he went in. Just yeah. for, like because he made, he wrote a letter. Oh, like, okay. He wrote okay. an open letter. He's criticizing. That's the power of being a billionaire. Yeah. You could invest in a stock and be like, by the way, I believe this is the shit now, and then it just fucking shoots up because of your presence with it. Elon Musk made AMC shoot up by just saying, "I like popcorn from AMC." Wow. Like that's how crazy. And then the guy from AMC just hands him a dollar sign <laughs> bag. Here you are. Here you are, Mr. Musk. That your shit. Your I donuts. Mean, you know, like it. it, it that, that is that. That is something that happens in the market, especially in times of a lot of exuberance. But anyway, so that happens. Now, um, this guy, he's already made so much money. And now he's talking about it on Wall Street Bets. He's been talking about it on Wall Street Bets for so long already. And people are telling him to sell, blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, diamond hands, baby. I'm holding on to this forever. And so everyone realizes that he's still in this play. All the Wall Street Bets guys just realize, okay, yo, we need to get into this as well. Because what's going to happen is as soon as we continue to get into it, we're going to be driving the price up by paying more and more for these shares. As we're driving these prices up, the guys who are short on the stock 
are going to start getting margin called because as the share goes up and your losses rack higher and higher, yeah, yeah, right, your brokerage will call you and say, look, now it's time for you to sell some securities because we can't continue to have you um, uh, uh, running a deficit this losses. big, essentially. Yeah, so yeah. that's called a margin call. Okay. And so I actually talk about it in my video, uh, one of my recent videos where I talk about what you need to know about uh, market corrections. But that's one of the things where when the stock market declines, even people who have diamond hands and are willing to hold on to that position, if they're leveraged, that margin will force them to sell those stocks. Okay. Right? This is why Warren Buffett talks about not using leverage to invest. This is why. It's so that you can hold on to your positions when the market Regardless of what happens. Exactly. Um, so that being said- So people that are, they shorted on margin- the, the 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 their brokerage is automatically just by default uh putting them back in essentially selling their shorts and uh what's the word uh covering them covering their yeah. essentially they're doing it by default yeah now they're short, not even doing it short selling by nature is a margin play because you're buying the shares and then you're selling them now you're margin to that price because if it starts increasing you're just taking huge losses and you can take infinite losses yeah yeah you like the share price, but you can. can't. You just said it'll automatically sell it. No, what I mean is theoretically. Oh, gotcha. Infin infinity. Right? Gotcha. Like yeah, share yeah, prices yeah. can yeah. go up forever. You can. You, when you will can, it usually make the call? The margin call. Is 50, it like three times or like? So like fifty percent, I would say, would be for most people. It'll pull it. Yeah. Gotcha. For most people. Uh, so that so that happened. All of these the shorts. All of the things got triggered at the same time, and the short squeeze happened. And it just started happening. Now I thought the short squeeze was over at fifty dollars. Yeah. Because on one Friday. Um, this was before the last UFC event happened. This was this is how funny my day was. I'm like, this is just a typical short squeeze. I want to give it some light because a lot like tomorrow, the shares are gonna tank and nobody's really gonna know about it. And but this is interesting and I want people to know about this. So I make this video about the short squeeze. I talk about um, the GameStop people. I talk about the 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 Chewy.com people. Uh, I was even gonna talk about Amazon and how they're getting involved. Like some of their executives are moving over. But I just you know like. I, and then in the final part of it, I said, "Don't get involved." <laughs> you know, don't yeah, get involved. Well, well, where did Reddit come into all this? Because I've so, heard Reddit, Reddit, Reddit. So, so Wall Street Bets is a uh, page on Reddit. Oh, gotcha. It's a subreddit, and that's where um, you know self-described degenerates talk about gambling as as investing. Essentially, gotcha. Right? Okay. Like Wall, uh, like Reddit has a lot of sound value investing type pages, but then there's one just for your day traders. Like so, our like Reddit, like our Red Pill is like Wall Street bets for yeah. for for, for uh, investing. Yeah, but I I wouldn't even call them Red Pilled. I know people are gonna hate me for this, but like you guys are just get degenerate gamblers. Like that's really what it is. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I just put my house up for. You know. I just I just remortgage my place. I'm gonna go all in on GameStop. Straight up, and you know what? I started following all of these guys after I made that video because I wanted to know how. Like I I wanted like I. Like I, I don't want to say I called it, but like I, I, I specifically did call it in the video where I said th this is going to implode and people on both sides are going to lose money. But um, I'm not going to get into it. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to see how people react on its way up and on its way down. The number of private messages and stuff I was getting when this thing kept going past fifty bucks and it got to three hundred and whatever. All these people, I have, I had people online calling me a shill, and I work for the hedge funds. I had friends saying, "Bro, diamond hands, like 
I'm making so much money. Diamond blah, blah, hands blah. means what? I'll never let go. I'll, I won't sell. Like my hands aren't shaky. Gotcha. You know. Um, and then of course, obviously, it's like you know I, I've been around. You know, even in my video, I said I, I've been around. Like this is how this ends. And of course, it it, it deflated very quickly. It trade. It's it, it's it closed at sixty bucks on Friday. You know. But all this started. When did when did the craze start? It was at three dollars, or three dollars was like six months ago. So three dollars was around like the beginning of last year, beginning of twenty twenty, like somewhere around three bucks. And what did it peak at? The, it peaked at four fifty. Most of the craze happened in the last month. God damn, four fifty! Yeah. What a ride if you got if you took part in that. Yeah, well, even um, even uh, uh, um, Keith Gill, the uh, Deep F and Valley or Roaring Kitty, like people call him on YouTube, he even went up and he came down, and I think he lost nineteen million dollars after going up so much. But he's fine; he's set for life because he was selling, he was taking stuff off the table as it was going up, right? And and that's a tenant from I'm sure. Uh, some people have heard of Jim Cramer. That's the one thing he always says. You know, bulls make money, bears make money, uh, but pigs get slaughtered. So don't be greedy. As you're making money, take stuff off the table, right? Oh, like sell. Sell, sell. a bit, bit, bit. Take some of your position off the table because you never know what's going to happen with these securities, right? Mm. Uh, and that's why I talk about uh, – I have a video where I, I talk about investing like Warren Buffett. And in that video, I, I, I talk about why um, you should just follow these four rules. If you follow these four rules, it, it's almost – impossible for you to end up being greedy on a stock because one of the rules is you have to buy it at 50% of what you think it's worth. Well, that particular rule stops me from investing in most of my favorite stocks that I want to buy. Mm, okay. You really have to pace yourself and wait for the opportune moment. Yeah, exactly. And you so have that, to be patient. That one forces patience. That one forces patience. That's why in a time like March, you see me starving because I'm putting everything in the stock market. And mm. like now I'm getting... Is fed. March the time where this it dips? No, no, no. It just so <laughs> happened that that's when COVID hit. Oh, gotcha, right? gotcha. Oh, I'm sorry. People might not know. So right when COVID hit, um, we were expecting, we as in like the market was expecting like a death toll of like somewhere around 5 to 10% of the global population. Like that's what people are thinking. And so... You know, you have fewer people. You're gonna have fewer demand for stuff, and blah blah blah. And so the the market's cratered because we didn't know what was gonna happen. We thought this was a real pandemic, and I mean it is. But thankfully, you know, it, you know, knock on wood that it it hasn't gotten worse. Yeah, right? it's bad, but it's not what has. But bad the market's prepared thought. for like Spanish flu type shit. Like exactly. a lot of people are about to die. Adjust. Type right. Shit. Right. Okay. And 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 I just looked at myself. I'm like. I'm fat. I'm going to die first. So, like, yeah, you lost a ton of weight. Dude. That was actually one of the catalysts for losing. I lost 80 pounds in 2020. Um, and that was one of the catalysts because what I realized early on is that um, the people who were overweight had a higher mortality rate when it came to COVID. And I had just been put on a, a, a ventilator myself, like a CPAP machine, uh, when I was sleeping. So I, I just realized, you know what, man? My weight's getting out of control. I'm very indulgent on these chicken wings or whatever. So I'm going to... Just had two pounds myself last night. <laughs> so I'm just going to turn this around. And I just started walking. And I, I, I just started walking like three hours every day. And the, the weight just came off. And then because I was walking so much, I wasn't in the kitchen. So I ended up just eating less. And as I was losing weight, it just sort of snowballed. And, and yeah. You look fucking amazing, bro. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. You know, uh, we're at the hour 10 mark, but I still I want to know something. Yeah. Warren Buffett, you've told us the patience rule essentially only get at 50% or less of what you yeah, think yeah. it's worth. The other three are what? Let me tell you though. So the first one is... And then after you tell me those, tell me what your personal <laughs> rules, rules are. are. Your, your personal take for everybody listening out there. 
who's is investing, who wants to, you know, get some positions in the stock market, who wants to build a portfolio, whatever. What would you trickle down like the most diluted things after you tell me these Warren yeah, Buffett yeah. ones? Yeah. Okay. So uh, the first rule is only buy what you know or okay. what you can understand. The business has to make sense if ha- you buy it. It has to make sense and it has to make sense to you. Gotcha. Right? Okay. Um, <clears throat> second. To bi- what degree? Is it like, what if it's like uh, people that mine lithium and you know that the lithium is being used in lithium ion batteries? And Do you, know you understand those- how the mining business works and how the peers operate and what the KPIs are. Mm, uh, do you even know okay. what KPI means? Key performance indicators. Like, so basically, okay. In order for you to understand it, I use the rule. I use the 10 year rule, which is I should be able to explain this easily to a 10 year old. If I can't explain how this business is going to do well and earn a lot of, uh, and earn a good return on capital uh, to a 10 year old, um, I shouldn't be buying it because I don't understand it. And, uh, don't just say, oh, you know, this this thing is about to explode because, like, lithium is a good example. This is going to explode because EV companies are going to go on the market, uh, like, start selling, um, uh, start using more batteries and stuff. I get that, but the question is not why the metal is going to do well. It's why that particular company that's selling that metal is going to do well because you're not invested in the metal. You're gotcha. invested in the company. Well, what if I get a lithium ETF? You can get a lithium ETF. By, by and large, you'll probably end up doing okay yeah. if your thesis on the metal is correct. Gotcha, gotcha. Right? Okay. But now, in order for you to understand the metal, you now have to understand all of its uh, uh, competitors to the that spa- metal. The whole well. space. You have to know the space. Gotcha. I don't, and you have to understand all the new... Like You should be regi- reading the engineering page. You should understand um, what uh, developments are being made in the industry. Because here's a problem. What happens if someone comes out with... Uh, let me just throw out uh, something. Um, unobtainium. They come out with unobtainium, and now that's way better than lithium. <clears throat> for batteries you have to be on the cusp of that and know that that's being developed gotcha right? so that's what i mean about that and i think too many people take shortcuts there so so one, you got to know it it's got to be undervalued relative to what you think so those are the two uh the next one is um you sh- the the company the company that you're investing in should have extremely favorable long-term characteristics so uh, there needs to be a lot of uh, headway uh, for this company. Now, I- I'll explain it in the simplest form. Um, one company that I-, I-, I really feel that is in a high-risk industry, but it in itself has extremely favorable long-term characteristics is a company by the name of Walmart, right? Everybody knows Walmart. Retail is very difficult, but Walmart has managed to uh, put together um, a, a very good brand and they're taking over the world with, with this retailing brand, right? It doesn't take a lot of brains to fill a space with goods and then sell those goods, right? There's a lot of people who want to be like Walmart. They can't be like Walmart. So that's a company that's got good long-term characteristics because people are always going to buy. They're continuing to expand the business and they're continuing to innovate. Earlier on this podcast, we talked about how they're going after that last mile. Walmart doesn't have to go after that last mile. They're going to make billions and billions and billions of dollars just selling to people who come into the store, but they're still going after growth, innovation, uh, emerging markets. Um, so they're here to stay. They're here to stay and they're continuing to innovate. So that's what in your portfolio, Walmart would be, I guess, a, a, a safe piece of the pie to have right now the reason why walmart doesn't make it into my portfolio is because the first thing we mentioned where i wasn't able to buy it at 50 percent of its value gotcha what do you think it is relative to 
its valuation uh, where it sits. So the last time I checked, uh, okay, so the last time I was looking at retailers was in December of 2020. Um, and Walmart, I think at the time, was trading at around 34, uh, 34 to 40 times earnings. Same with Costco. So I think it's expensive right now. Um, but I do have some retailers that I think are, are your multiplier for what it's trading at. That that changes from sector to sector, right? Uh, d- not or do you keep it? Do you? Do, so you're saying like you should be making, uh, you should be trading at twenty to thirty times your earnings. Is so that fair? It actually it actually varies from company to company, actually. And the reason why is because if a company is focusing on innovation and is continuing to grow the bottom line, and those earnings are growing over time, then you're willing to pay more for uh, their next 12 months earnings because you know that in the subsequent years, those earnings are going to be even higher. Gotcha. Right? Okay. Uh, I know I it's a little bit complicated and I, I will make a video on this talking about valuations because um, it is the most complicated point. But let me put it like this. The easiest way to describe it is if my salary, say my salary is 100 grand, right? Or no, sorry. Say this company, company A, makes $100,000. Okay. okay. Now, every year, company A is going to double its income. Okay. Okay. And now company B makes $100,000. Yes. And every year, it's only going to make $100,000. And you have um, uh, $5 million. Gotcha. Which company are you going to buy and why? A. A, because you know that they're going to give you a higher cash flow every year, right? Now, there's something called the, the discount principle. Um, every year out, that company uh, where you forecast their earnings, you can actually discount those earnings into today's dollars because tomorrow's dollars are worth less than today's dollars because of inflation. Mm-hmm. So there's actually a formula um, uh, where... It's called the, 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 the perpetuity formula for anyone who's looking into it, uh, where you can actually value the forever earnings of this business at growing at a forever rate today. Okay. So that's what you can use to, to gauge whether this company is worth uh, investing or not. So that's... that's, uh, that's I took a course in this years ago, actually, <laughs> MSI 261. I remember the course <laughs> name and nothing else. Uh, yeah, I, I, I still use that stuff. You know, the people who say, I'll never use math again. I, I use it every day. Imagine, <laughs> imagine someone says, I'll never use math again. You know, just my finance courses. I don't use any of my calculus. But anyway, so that's the, you know, that's the second uh, principle. The third principle. The third principle, yeah. sorry. The valuation I always put as the last one. But And uh, so the last principle is um, do, and we actually talked about this earlier, is does the management of the company have the willingness and ability to manage that business effectively, right? There's a lot of management that talk big game, right? They talk a big game, but the results aren't there, right? Well, I've worked in a lot of startups. I know about that. Right? Even like, yeah. And so uh, one of those- So how do you make that distinction as someone from the- where, where like? Do you follow press releases? Do you watch their video, look in their eyes, see <laughs> if they're a liar or not? Like, how, how does a person so this on an individual the, basis? This is the hardest thing. To, valuation is the hardest thing to comprehend, but it's the easiest thing to do because it's just formulas, right? Okay. Um, but it requires some judgment. Looking at uh, gauging management is probably the hardest thing to gauge. Uh, but the easiest thing to understand. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so, like, do you trust them? Do you think they're good? Right. Uh, and you have to go with gut here a little bit. But one, some of the things that I use is um, I'll, I always look at at least 10 years worth of financial statements. 
And in those financial statements, I'll look at, and they also, one of the tricks actually with investing, if you want to get started and you want to use a shortcut, look to see if they put out investor presentations, right? You don't even have to read the financial statements because a lot of the important information is on those financial presentations. So instead of reading a 200-page um, uh, 10K, you can read a 20-page uh, presentation and get more out of it than you would get at the 10K. So first place I'll start is their presentations. And I'll go back 10 years and I'll say, what... Um, what were your goals? What were your business plans 10 years ago? And have you been able to execute on them? Mm. Right? And if they have, you take that as a... I, I can trust them. I gotcha. Right? And, and so then, then the other thing is, I just look at their track record in general. Look at what their key performance indicators are. Not income, but look at like operational effectiveness, right? Like um, what are their margins? Um, and this, uh, should, this would all be in the presentation. It, it could be in the presentation, Unless they want to hide it, then you go into the financial statements. Is th if they if they want to hide it, is that suspicious in its uh, of it in itself? No, uh, not like there's a company that has a presentation. Do you right away go, oh, this is this is looking so good? All, like all presentations are are generally marketing materials, okay. and so they're going to show the company in the best light. Gotcha. Or answer questions that investors have. Like I, I was looking at an investor presentation for a. Um, uh, a skilled nursing facility in the in the U.S. Uh, a couple of like maybe like a month ago, and from reading the investor presentation, I realized that investors have a problem with the company, which is that um, skilled nursing facilities might be going away because more and more nurses uh, or more and more people are using home care. Right? Yeah. While everyone's battling it out on the tech space, I'm trying to figure out the healthcare space. Right? But so. <laughs> and it's trying to re retire extra hard. You well, know? it's like, why go where everyone's fighting and bidding up valuations when I can make, you know, 30% a year, um, uh, playing in the, playing in the, in the mud, almost like uh, in the trenches with, uh, the boring, spaces. with the boring stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, like, like nursing care. Right. And I found, uh, I found stuff where I was like, Oh, I'm going to make 30 or 40% a year on this. You God know? damn! And so, just write it down right here for me. All right, <laughs> just write it. And and one of the one of the questions was uh, one of the things on the presentation was, oh, this is why home care is not going to beat us out. And they went through their whole uh, spiel on why home care is not going to beat us out. And then I went to the home care presentations as well. Those companies. Yeah, and they're like, "This is why we're going to beat them out." Yo, the shit that gets talked by CEOs back and forth nicely in these business presentations is phenomenal like i love it and so the home care these are the type of like beefs you like you yeah like, fuck these rap west coast east coast beef i want to see these ceos right because the, the business is do we send patients out of the hospital back to their homes and they get treated by nurses at home or do we treat take the send them to skilled nursing facilities and they get treated at skilled nursing facilities before they go home Gotcha. Well, Skilled nursing that you're paying for the building, you're paying for all everything, of that stuff, even when right? people aren't. Yeah. Whereas There's that other thing of the last mile and utility. It's correct, the same conversation. Right? But then with this, with the home care, you're you have more nurses because you can only like you're, you're there's so much downtime because you're yeah. driving to people you can only specifically deal with one person at a time you can't just be there for 15 minutes whereas in a skilled nursing facility you might be with someone for 15 minutes and then go off to someone else but like so there's efficiencies that are not inherent in home care gotcha so it's funny that they're both beefing with each other they're saying uh we're gonna win and we're gonna win when true truly after you look at both of them you realize Oh, you know what? There's favorable long-term characteristics for both of these markets. They're both going to exist, and so you have positions in both. I 
could or I could not. I'm not going to say because I, I may not necessarily be done building my positions, but. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> Sounds like you are going to be in both a little bit more on the home uh, home side. Uh, more on the skilled nursing facilities. Oh, side. shit. Yeah, but I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm building positions in both currently so yeah that's a giveaway i haven't even talked about that on my own channel but uh look out for that all you subscribers out there <laughs> like how we got it building positions and 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 from that i realized you know what both management are actually believable they're very passionate and i like them both okay you know and 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 when i look at their past track record they've been doing really well right they've so they're both trustworthy you like them they're both competent Yep. And they both have room to grow. They both have room to grow. Um, now, the only question I have uh, is uh, valuation. This is why I haven't really talked about it on my channel. I generally only mention companies that are already cheap. So some of the themes that are already cheap that I've mentioned is the one name everybody knows, Facebook. I value that thing at 600 bucks and it's trading at 280 now. Um, so, I mean, it's, what are they at relative to their earnings? What do you mean? Multiplier. Oh, multi right now the multiplier is like 29.75. Jesus. But it, Dude, why do points? I have all these things memorized? But yeah, yeah they're they're yeah. they're trading at around 29, almost 30, but that's a fictitious multiplier. I had Facebook in my last portfolio. Oh, you I did? Had, I had Facebook. Now, that's a weird multiplier Tesla though. Tesla too. Because you shouldn't really looking at be looking at the multiplier for next year's earnings. Why? Cuz Facebook is growing so fast. One of the key the key performance indicators that you got to be looking at Facebook is what is their daily active user growth? right? They don't look at total user base growth, even though that is a metric that is reported. They look at daily active user growth because in order for you to monetize on ad revenues, you need to have users looking at it. You can't just have people subscribe to your channel. You know gotcha, what I mean? Gotcha. And so they look at daily active user growth and that's been going up uh, since the company has started and that's still going up. The second thing about Facebook is only 25, sorry, only 20% of their user base is even monetized, which is a North American user base. 80% of it is, or sorry, 80% of their revenues is coming from 20% of their user base, which is the North American market. 80% of their user base, the non-North American market, which is only giving 20% of their revenue is expected to grow considerably over time. That's the second part. The third part is their major, um, their their major elements in Facebook are currently not being monetized, like their um um, like their chat function, like the messenger, which now is starting to get monetized, by the way. And uh, Facebook and um uh sorry, uh, so the chat function and WhatsApp, right? And then the fourth theme behind this one is I'm just fucking yeah, you know, you're going the, yeah. The, I'm just going. Sorry, no. The, the, the fourth theme behind them is the ad revs on Facebook and Instagram are underpriced still. Well, there you have it, everybody. I think the takeaways here is to buy Walmart and buy Facebook, okay? Yeah, yeah. And if you can get into some home care versus uh, Even, outpatient care yeah, type shit, yeah, get and, into that shit too. Yeah. And what were you going to say? Oh, sorry. The only other one I was going to say is, guys, look at your home builders in the U.S. Pay attention to these guys. These guys are up to They're 10, usually traded publicly? Publicly traded. Look at DR Horton. Look at LGI Homes. Look at Lennar Homes. I'm still building positions in these guys. Um, they're trading at 30% of what I think they're valued at. Fuck yeah. That's beautiful, bro. Hopefully people actually invest in that shit in the next time. But do your work. Use a financial advisor. I'm not your financial advisor. Disclaimer, baby. That's beautiful. Yo, find the people. Uh, tell the people where to find you. And as always, in the description, the man's YouTube link will be there. And that'll be the first link there. And for the most part, you want people to go to the YouTube, right? Yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah. So the YouTube channel is just called More Money with Tay Moore. Moore spelled M-O-O-R-E. 
And then money, you just spell money the way money spelled. <laughs> the way money spelled. That's beautiful. Uh, yo, from my end, if you want to support the podcast directly, just check out patreon.com slash the immigrant section. Uh, we got bonus weekly episodes there for y'all to check out. And uh, go to my YouTube channel and see my ep- uh, episode two of Why Did They Make This Car with the Plymouth Prowler. I went in on that car, so make sure to check that shit out. And if you haven't subscribed, please do. Yo, Tamor, this has been a blast, man. I got to pee like crazy. <laughs> Yo, until next time, y'all the best. Peace.